0: Welcome to the latest installment to the Sharp Analysis Best Ball Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Burroughs. You can find me on Twitter, at Best Ball NFL, And I am joined today by not only the one-time winner of the Best Ball Mania th- 2, two. Um, if you thought it was a flash in the pan, if you thought he was a flash in the pan, He came back last year and won not one, but two DraftKings high-stakes best ball tournaments. You can find him on on Twitter, at Chess Liam. I guess he's good at other things, including Chess, too, although we all know that best ball is life. Welcome, Liam.
1: Thanks so much for having me, man. I'm excited for this.
0: Yeah, I am, too. Liam Murphy. I um you have to excuse the couple Alzheimer moments um, that are getting all too common for me. Uh, you know, taking, you know, seeing me in a best
1: ball room right now is just taking advantage. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's not t- uh, true at all. Y- you've been a, uh, I mean, you had, the, you had the foresight to secure best ball NFL, which I'm sure when you had that Twitter handle. Uh, best I got ball that.
0: Would- I, I got it before last year. And uh, Or maybe it was two years ago. But either way, I I said, you know what? I had had a long talk with Evan Silva about this. And he goes, yeah, you don't have the catchy name. And your own name isn't catchy either. And I'm like, <laughs> I know, I know. I can't think of anything. I'm Todd from PA because I used to call into radio shows uh, uh, when uh, Ross Tucker was at Sirius. And, and I thought, oh, I'll go on Twitter People will maybe, will someone will know me because I call in from Todd from PA, you know, and then I'm stuck with that. And I never really wanted to go out with a big name because I'm not much of a bragger. I'd rather talk after the fact than before the fact. And I said, you know what, though, that's just too good of a name. I've, once I thought of it. So I locked it up. And then the last two years, most of my money goes into the FFPC. And um, I, I've done okay on underdog advance rate wise, but uh, long story short, I went for it and I came in 10th two years ago and fourth last year in the FFPC ball contest. I'm hoping to get to your stratosphere, my friend. Um, it is, uh, I, I'm looking forward to picking your brain. So let's just get right into it. Tell so us
1: they, a little they, bit. You about know, I just wanted to brain. quickly say that, yeah. like, you know, I, I tout I won three wins, of course. You know, like I think you got to when you do. But, you know, is there a big difference between first and tenth? Probably not in most tournaments. No. So, like, if you're you're landing shots on target, getting in finals, you know, you can be the best best ball player in the world and not even make a final one year. So, you know, I do think I'm a good player, but I also think I'm fortunate, uh, as as is anyone who survives in tough gambling spaces like best ball, like poker, et cetera.
0: Yeah, I I really you know we had a little bit of a kerfluffle. Most of it was my fault because you, you made one comment I didn't like, and I guess I was a little jealous that you won. I thought you were a flash in the pan, um, so I was really talking to myself at the be- at the beginning of the pod at first. But I, I take a lot of pride in my in the fact that I'm always open to people proving who they are. And you quickly once I actually started following you and got out of that one thread that was like sticky paper, I saw you knew your stuff, right? And we can disagree on certain things. The reason I play FFPC is it because it's more to my core competency. You know, if you advance, you get three hundred bucks. So if you get a good advance rate, you're really on your way to at least break even, and there still is a really good prize up top. That fits the way I play more, but I also want to, you know, wake up on week 17 with that little underdog present under the tree or DraftKings present under the tree and and have a shot. So, um, I did get a, a couple teams into uh, the final, I got one team into the final last year, it didn't come through in one of the smaller contests, but I got, I still got a long way to go with underdog. And um, let's get into this. So tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about your process that got you the underdog championship two years ago.
1: Sure. Uh, Real quick, I just wanted to, you know, just to touch. I, I remember that thread and I think I joke around on Twitter. I think I made a, you know, I think I made a joke and someone wasn't responding to it well. And uh, it was more about Gabe Davis. It was about we we, we had a fight over Gabe Davis because you you touted him, but he
0: wasn't in your final lineup. And, you know, and me and my too cool for school high stakes friends, we, you know, so it it was it it was I I made
1: the joke that someone was being results oriented. And I was like, well, the results proved I was the best, which that that was a joke, to be clear. Like I was and I I did not get that at the time.
0: And I'm, uh, you know, I, we all have our weaknesses. And my weakness is when I think someone's being arrogant, I have a hard time with it. And sure. I, I've also, you know, gone through some personal things the last few years. So, you know, I, I've been apologizing to a number of people um, in the last couple months because I finally, after my divorce, start feeling like myself again. It's been a couple years and
1: I know I was really short tempered for a while. So, um, well, credit to you. I think, you know, anyone who's good at gambling or best ball myself, and you know, I I think I'm good at this too, is like, we should be able to take voices from other sides, even when people, you know, I take, I read the opinions of people. I don't always like what they say day to day, you know, like, because if I think they're, they either move a market, like they have people that listen to them or what have you. So, Um yeah, back to your back to your question.
0: Well, before you do that, now I've got to say something. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: It's your it's your show.
0: I, 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 I mean, I really feel like the area that I continue to need to like I'm 60 years old, right? As you get older, it is harder and harder to be. I think you made a post today about being fluid, right? As you get older, it's hard you have to push yourself more to be fluid. And you know, for me, the big one is I just see every year that my biases kick my butt, right? There are players and opportunities that I miss because I've got it in my head that, uh, that they're X. So I've gotten better, but it is a real point of emphasis for me to do what you just said and to constantly be challenging why I believe what I believe. Because if you have the truth, you don't need to be sensitive about being questioned about it.
1: And, you know, that reminds me, I used to be a chess teacher and teaching children was easy, right? Children, they don't have ego about learning, but one year I was a chess teacher. I'm i I'm a pretty strong chess player. I'm like, what's your, what's your number? I'm like 2000 rated. So like, that's, that's really that, good. For people who like play chess, that's probably better than like 90%. For people who in the world, it's probably like top 99%. because not a right. lot of people play chess, right? But the point is... Or have
0: it in their Twitter handle.
1: Yeah, but the but the point is I had a... You know, I was the teacher and I had an assistant teacher with me who was, was frankly not that strong of a chess player. And that in itself is not a big issue if you can be fun and whatnot. But it became a bit of an issue is because he was he was older than me this this teacher and he didn't want he, he was he was worse than the children frankly at playing chess because my kids were really good and he didn't want to listen <laughs> you know so right. it's like he he right. had an ego about learning and he's not alone in that myself included every adult it's harder for adults to learn because they have ego about it they don't like being Correct. told what to do by other adults and on your bias statement I'm the same way you know I think every player who plays fantasy seriously is shaped a little bit by biases in previous years, if a player burned them, if a situation did. And I sometimes find myself thinking the same way and then being like, "Mm, I need to reevaluate this. Or some players, I'm just like, you know what, I'm going down with the ship with this player. Like, you know, I think the tape was right. It's not about,
0: see, because I'll I'll, I'll, I'll posture this, and, and we're going in a different direction, but I think this is all good stuff. I think just as hard is to not be pushed around by others' thoughts, right? So on one hand, you're in this constant situation, and I've mentioned this on a few podcasts. You're in this constant situation where you need to take in more information and analyze it and not get pushed around either way because it's very easy, you know, and I I always say the worst thing is to be on a player and drop him because other people talked you out of it. Then, and then that player goes off. That's when you hate life. When you, that feels you know, bad. Yeah. yeah. In, in other words, I don't, you know, I, I was heavy on Kyle Pitts last year. I know why I was on him and I know why it didn't work out. I have no problem with that, right? That was a calculated move I took to try and get what I thought could be the top tight end, right? A guy who was ready to break out. Didn't happen. Doesn't bother me. But if I listen to someone else without doing the real work and of having them convince me and they push me off someone, that's what, that's when I really beat myself.
1: Sure. And, you know, I, I think I think there's tons of players we have biases about, and sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong, and it is it is good to hear when players are being touted that you don't like. I mean, we're just we're going to see markets moved soon by uh, you know a, a Twitter catch. a sneeze a, tw- a, tw- a a catch in Twitter yeah. and a player's gonna a rookie. Will well, but jump it's already out.
0: happening with the guys in shorts. Sure. I mean, we it's it's two and a half weeks post draft, and and now I I gotta see people talking. And, and again, it, it, it turns into, and this is the other thing that you've done that really impressed me, you're trying to earn an audience the right way, in my view, right? You're not, you're not clickbait. You, you are putting out really good information on a daily and weekly basis, things that I, as what I like to consider a high-level baseball player, have to sit down and actually get into because it's not just clickbait. But there are a lot of people out there who are just, you know, throwing out hot takes and they get an audience because there's a lot of people who are like that older chess student. They just want easy.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are people are looking for shortcuts and best ball is incredibly complicated and it's hard, right? Because it's like we want it easy, but at the same time, we don't want to get bogged down with the nitty gritty that doesn't matter However, sometimes that nitty-grittiness does matter. Things as things as like thin as like what what defenses does does this running back play in week 17? Like having the gall to think we can predict who's gonna be a plus rushing matchup 17 weeks out. Right. That's something that's an edge I try to attack. So a lot of players, a lot of smart people would be like, you're wasting your time. You know, like who who, who, who are you to say who's gonna score rushing touchdowns? But well, I've especially had defense
0: is the hardest one of the hardest things to predict. Um, but you know I'm a big believer whether it's offensive line or defense. There's 20, you know 22 teams that don't matter m- most for the most part. And then there's the top five that are really good and the top five that are really bad. and those are the opportunities and trying to predict those. Um, I I agree with you, can give a really nice advantage. And this is why we love best ball so much. And, you know, I had Hayden Winks on. He just put out another, you know, he updated his uh, when to take running backs article. I mean, that was really helpful to me because I struggle with that. And then you add in, and and this is the other interesting thing, uh, Liam, is that while we're trying to study all this stuff, The board is constantly moving, right? So, what worked last year with fourth round quarterbacks, and you could back them up with another stud in the eighth, now those guys will cost you a second and a fifth. You know, that's a big difference.
1: Yeah. And I don't, I don't do that. Like, I know a lot of people, especially on Twitter, are, I would say, they're more analytical based, they're more stats based. I have a, I have a strength in those areas, I think, but I am not someone who's getting in the weeds and reviewing, like, exactly what worked last year because of what you said. The draft, I mean, the draft landscape changes, right? And this is probably an article I'll put pen to paper eventually. But, you know, for just for example, in Best Ball Mania 1, a single wide receiver went in the first round, Michael Thomas, right? It, the rest was running backs. In Best Ball Mania 4, two running backs consistently go in the first round, Bijan and CMC.
0: And I feel ref- dirty every time I take one when I come back at the, the next turn.
1: Yeah, it, and, I- and and it's not only like the changing of the NF, the you know the draft landscape, but it's also trying to trying to predict how the NFL itself is changing, which require which is like true galaxy brainy, right? Like this is like being like, no, this team is going to change the formation it runs, or no. I think, like, and this is something I do believe. Like, I think the talent in today's NFL is a lot better than years past. If you, through the lens of fantasy football, at least. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, C.J. Stroud is better than Ben Roethlisberger. But what I will say is, like, these these types of players, these C.J. Strouds, these Bryce Youngs, whatever, these, like, young quarterbacks is, like, when these are some of the, quote-unquote, worst quarterbacks in the NFL – Compared to call it the Tom Brady era when he was facing like Ben Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers and Matt Matt Ryan's like known statue guys like the, the NFL is changing. And so are the athletes and so are the schemes run. And, you know, we we should try to think of these somewhat and how it how it matters for for drafting. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and I, I I'm I've been a, a running quarterback drafter. I started in fantasy football in '99, and I always had Dante Culpepper back in the day, and oh. a lot of the a lot of the reason was I felt he would give you almost as much as a passer, and then you'd get 40, 50 yards a game as a runner. Um, guys like Rich Gannon, and um, one year I I made a really good I picked up Cordell Stewart off of waivers. And played him in a playoff game, and he he went bonkers. You know, he he was spot starting, and I I sat a guy who 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 had gotten me there, but who had been cold the last week or two. I mean, it it takes being ruthless at times, Liam, to be good
1: at this. Yeah, and it like I'm kind of con- constantly playing best ball once once the contests start because like you know like I'm going on a bike ride, I'm kind of thinking about. What I should be doing, and, and and things are getting harder too. Like I think, I uh, you know I I was kind of out on a limb in like Best Ball Mania Two when I really got in Best Ball Mania where it's like I had a I had the gall to think the market was really wrong, and I think in hindsight I was right. Like the market was pretty terrible for Best Ball Mania Two, where like you know like we saw things like in Jag- in what way, like like some examples like we saw things like the Jaguars wide receiver three going ahead of, like, the Bills wide receiver too, right? Like, just, nice. like, top-down thinking, like, the uncertainty of, like, who will it be, that that sticks out to me. Um, That year I was huge on the quarterbacks because, specifically the Josh Allens, the, the Pat Mahomes, like, because people had the sticker taste of, like, oh, these guys are expensive, but I viewed it as, like, well – quarterbacks are more important on a half point PPR website just because mathematically they contribute a higher percentage of your points on a weekly basis, right? Like when the wide receivers and the running backs don't get PPR, just, you know, this is like simple stuff, but this is like fundamental strategy. And we've seen this, we've seen the quarterbacks went from four, you know, Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes went from like fifth, sixth, third, third, fourth. Now they're, now they're in the second. Right. You know,
0: well, the old thought was that quarterback scoring was flatter Mm -hmm. and it was true. Right. Things are true until they're not. Exactly. And then you got started getting all these running quarterbacks. And, you know, a guy like Mahomes comes out who can throw, you know, 50 touchdowns, 40 touchdowns. And, you know, and, and with the ability of these guys to run, you know, I did a lot of studying on spike weeks over the last few. You know, going back five years now, and you know, I I real I, I'll never forget that one quarterback, Cam Newton, had a much higher um, win uh, advance rate than uh, a couple other quarterbacks who everyone thought had better years, but he had like two third two or three 35 point weeks, and that and that and that opened my eyes, right. So I think we're saying the same thing. Let me get to some of these questions. Um, let's do it. All right. So let's start with the hottest news on the market, which is the schedule coming out. Um, we talk about week 17. I, I don't even think we need to argue how important it is anymore. Um, no. I think it's less important on a place like FFPC where I'm playing against 70 people in a final versus 450. Um, but, I mean, and, well, let me rephrase that. It's still important. It's it's a matter of how much you give up. I'm willing to move up less to get it in, yeah. in a situation like that. I mean, but, the question
1: is, like, how big is the finals? How top-heavy is it? That's, that's the important. Correct. But, well, but and I – mean, Yeah. No, go go ahead, and then I'll – Yeah, start.
0: and so uh, what are your favorite matchups for Week
1: 17? Uh, I think the the big three – chalk, if you would, should be, I mean, obvious, like if we're talking, well, first off, I think we should talk about how I think about week 17, because I think yeah, the way
0: I I, I I let that get away
1: from me. Go ahead. I think the way that people mostly think about week 17 is strictly through a shoot, like they're thinking through games like, like that, like shootouts. Right. But I think people need to realize that what can also happen Especially when a good offense faces a bad team, or even when a good offense faces another good offense, is that one of those offenses could consistently win, or the defense could get a turnover. And all of a sudden, a week 17 game stack, you just want players from a singular team. You know, like if the Bengals have the ball 50 minutes against the Chiefs somehow because they just keep on, they get out there, score, you know, throw a couple quick scores, get a turnover. All of a sudden, you don't need this Chiefs bring back. So I do do these bring backs. And I think the chalk from like a, uh, a potential shootout back and forth affair would be obviously uh, Chiefs Bengals is one. Two for me is Ravens-Dolphins. I just can't get the Ravens-Dolphins game of last year out of my brain where that game went like every player was scoring left and right. Now the Ravens defense might be a little bit better. But at the same time, you got the Dolphins uh, offense, who's like the fastest offense in football, against a competent Ravens team who I'm much more excited about their offense with their new OC and Lamar. Um, so I think that game is two, maybe even one for me. And then I think the third chalk game would be Lions-Cowboys from a shootout affair. The Cowboys do have a good defense. The Lions have a lot on their defense. But two good offenses. And then four and five for me is um, – the four and five for me is not a back and forth affair. It's the Cardinals beat the shit out of the, or the the Eagles beat the shit out of the Cardinals and the Bills beat the shit out of the Patriots. And those make sense, right? Two elite offenses, just destroying bad teams could be facing quarterbacks like Mac Jones and David Blau for who knows who's the Cardinal starter will be by then. But these are teams who could turn the ball over or punt a lot. And all of a sudden all the Bills and Eagles players are scoring maybe the quarterback gets pulled in the fourth, whatever, but you know, like,
0: I, I, and, and just, you feel less of a need to have a bring back in those exactly. situations. I feel right? no need for a bring back. And, and the and the game that I, I, I wrote an article and you named three of the four games that I mentioned because I was more looking at game stacks. The fourth one was, you know, so there's a couple things we look at. We look at the weather, right? We we want in general, if, you know, you want great offenses in in a in a dome, uh against the bad, you know, th- there's certain things that you want. The the one that I liked was Houston and uh Tennessee. And I think it's because you've got two bad defenses possibly, and a lot of really talented rookies who are going to be getting a chance to show what they can do. Right. Um, I'm I'm huge on Tajay Spears. I I mean that's my That's going to be my highest stone running back as as long as he's back where he is. I think he's going to have a great floor at his current ADP. I think he's going to play more than people think. I think he's going to be really good. I think the price on him, here's my prediction. The price on him is going to be up four rounds by the time we get through the first preseason game.
1: Um, Yeah, I think... Go ahead. uh, I agree with you. Houston uh, Titans is like, this is a game that, some people largely ignore. They're like, mm, "Gross offenses," but I. It, it feels like to me similar to two years ago, lions Seahawks last year, Jags Texans. Like these are games I target too. I used to, you know, last year I. I'm, I'm wrong sometimes, right? Like everyone's wrong. That's I, why I we play Jets- volume Seahawks, so we
0: could try different things.
1: Yeah, I thought Jets Seahawks like the, would be too bad defenses. Obviously, the Jets defense was great, but it feels like. um those types of games where it's like, you know, it's, it's easy to play offense in the NFL compared to defense. And if these offenses can be anything, the Titans and Texans could be some of the worst defense in the NFL. So I agree with you. These are, these are pieces. I try to cheap stack as, as well for week 17. Like I'm trying to, I'll have week 17 game stacks of every game, you know, here and there.
0: All right. So um, let let's follow up on something else. Does the fact that Underdog has one-third of the prize money for the regular season change the way you look at this year's BBM and how? And does it dampen your enthusiasm a bit for the tournament?
1: I'll say this. One, enthusiasm's not dampened at all. Like, I like the top-heavy. I got zero issues with the three mil to first. I think that's how it, it should be. That's a you know people should realize that Best Ball Mania Four is largely you know like a marketing contest. It's a contest to grow the space. Casual players like dudes dudes who are in one home league or girls in one home league they're attracted to the three million dollar first prize. So so is like someone like me. Like we're all there to dream for those types of top heavy prizes. I don't think I think you know most people should not be firing a hundred entries, hundred fifty entries. If they're trying to target, a, a, you know, a positive ROI from the season, just how top-heavy it is, are there things I would have changed about the contest? Yes. For example, I don't really like how they're paying two hundred fifty dollars from like ten thousandth place in the regular season to one thousandth place. Like, no, who's asking for this two hundred fifty dollars other than the site so that they can re-rake it back? Uh, you know, and that's two point two million dollars you could have spread out over the finals so it's not as top heavy as it is and you know but at the, at the end of the day it's like no excuses we all know what the contest rules are so if you don't like the contest rules don't play the contest i don't like to see these people on twitter come like week 14 week 15 week 16 when they get bounced out and they're just complaining and it's like i'm sorry but the rules were there do your research find a contest that suits your strengths don't enter it play it and then go complain you know, that's my philosophy on it.
0: Yeah, I I I had a team that was 63rd in the regular season last year. Um, it was a Mahomes a Mahomes Borough team. And um it um it didn't make it to the to the semi uh to the made it didn't get out of week sixteen. Um, but um I would have liked some money for that team. I I, I do think there's some strategies. Um you know, if you want to be contrarian and, you know, I think my way of looking at this and you give me your thoughts is I was going for regular season before I knew when the bye weeks were before, you know, I was trying to build teams that I think could overload before we got all that information right now. I don't know how you, you know, I I can't think of too many ways I really feel like high regular season scores are are much harder to grasp um than than building teams that advance.
1: I, I'm with you 100%. Like I think playing for the regular season first place prize is hard to do because what does it come down to? It comes down to last year did you draft Josh Jacobs. Period. Right? Like you know right. like and so that is not as skilled as an endeavor to me as thinking through the strategies of advancing through the finals and scoring high points in the finals. Like it's just not that skilled to be like, I drafted healthy players and I got the Josh Jacobs. Now, is it possible that someone was out there and they were like, they just knew in their hearts and hearts, Josh Jacobs was like a 350 point play point player. Uh, yeah. That's not really me, you know? So it's like, there's different things I think you can try for the regular season prize. I think I'm just going – it's kind of how I view – it's why I build mostly for week 17 and not week 16 and 15. Is like I'm just going to get lucky sometimes or do the right things, and I'm going to contend for this regular season prize. But I'm mainly building with winning the contest in mind because that's where most of the money is. And, and
0: I know Justin, who we're going to have next week, feels the same way. You know – yeah, week 15. Last year, I didn't worry about week 15 at all. I figured there's a lot of injured teams in week 15. They got out of the regular season, they're injured. And it's a one in 10 shot. I'll take my chances, right? Sure. I'm not going to build, I'm not going to waste one thought. Because you when you're drafting, especially lives, there's a million things going in your head. I didn't want to spend one second thinking about week 15. Week 16, I would use as a secondary correlation because it is important to get to that week 17, right? Um, You want to have a little bit of a plan. But, uh, you know, I feel like now with both uh, of the 15 and 16 being one in 16 shots, I I don't even want to think about week 16 this year. It's just too random. I just want if I get a team into week 17 for it to be loaded for bear.
1: Yeah. And, you know, like, like winning the regular season prize could require that's where I feel it's like it's way more likely to win the regular season prize. You need a player to drop well past ADP. I don't feel the same way for winning the Week 17 tournament. Like, that by itself is not going to win you the regular season. But if you got a Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson start, just as an example, obviously you can't get that start. Like, that's going to win the regular season. It's like, great. How did you plan for that? Other drafters just drafted bad. That's not a plan, right? That's just you taking advantage of of a circumstance. Whereas, like, thinking through the week 17 and, you know, again, like, I, I I, I am aware of fantasy schedules, fantasy playoff schedules I like. Like, some teams I think have favorable matchups week 15, 16, and 17. So it's like, sure, great when I can do that. But generally, those are going to be good offenses anyway. So it's like, you know, and and even now with the schedule, I don't build every single team with a lot of Week 17 bringbacks. Because, again, it can be Week 17 correlation just to have two players from the same team and say that's the team that scores the touchdowns that day and the other team has a bad day. Like, that can be – that we see that in the NFL all the time.
0: Yeah, I, I I feel like it is um, a lot harder to do. Uh, one thing that I, I I think a lot about is, you know, people think about week seventeen and you know correlation only as regards to the quarterbacks. I like I like stacking up players from other you know other week seventeen game again as a tiebreaker. Right, if there's four guys on the clock. You and I both know with 150 teams, I mean, I'm going to have less exposure on players than I think you do. I think you have more of a risk tolerance than I do. But either way, we're on the clock. There's four or five guys that we have very close to each other. You know, if I can stack a Week 17 guy with someone that's already on my roster, i do it. Because I think you were talking about your Amon St. Brown. That wasn't one of your main stacks, right? It, it was, was just, an
1: Amonra Rashad Penny mini
0: stack. Right. Yeah. And and I've always been a big believer in those. And I think people shouldn't forget to try and add those because uh that's a that's a DFS strategy.
1: Well, and, and the quarterback is the least important part of the stack, right? Like if Jamar Chase goes for 50 and Joe Burrow goes for 30, you're not replacing Jamar Chase's 50 in your roster, but you can replace Joe Burrow's 30. With a twenty to twenty-five point performance from any quarterback, so it's like right. the quarterback. If you, you know, have Chase and you get and you have a couple other guys, go ahead finish. Yeah, like you, you want your quarterback stacked, but you you're fine with just taking wideouts from a team or not having your pass catchers stacked with the quarterback. That's totally okay.
0: Yeah, and I, I you know, I don't like overpaying for for non-mobile quarterbacks. I have a hard time with Joe Burrow right now, you know, so hearing that is a good reminder that I'm, you know, I'm much more likely to take a Justin Fields than a Joe Burrow if I have, you know, because I know that Justin Fields can also put up a score that nobody can get and he can do it without a um, pass catcher. without a pass catcher. And then if you have one of his, you know, like I, I like chase Claypool this year. I mean, the dude's free. He's got talent. Uh, what if, you know, he actually puts it together and, you know, he's the type of guy who can give you a two touchdown week. Anyway, sure. um, we were talking about the quarterbacks. Um, give me your thought, uh, uh, you know, of how much of the top three or four did you have last year? You know, how much do you think that made up of your portfolio versus how much are you take? Are you taking a lot less of them now that the prices have gotten this high? And if so, what what strategy has replaced taking
1: that top quarterback for you? Are you talking about what the ADPs were last year or how they yeah.
0: finished? in other words, you know, it, it's a big difference to take these guys in the fourth round than it is in the second. Sure. But I'm so asking ha-
1: like last year, like, yeah, I had a lot of Jalen Hurts. He was a top three quarterback, but he wasn't drafted like one.
0: Correct. But he was still going in the fifth, sixth round.
1: Sure, right? but but he was he was a lot cheaper than Josh and Mahomes. Correct. Um Correct. so so like last year I had a lot less Mahomes than Josh. Because I think Josh, in the seasons where Josh puts it all together, he crushes Mahomes in fantasy points because he has that rushing element. And right. and he was hurt like last you, year and
0: he didn't get there.
1: Yeah, and just like you, I don't love taking these expensive statue quarterbacks. Now, I would say that's a regular season mindset, right? We all recognize, and I don't think enough people think about it through this way, is that Best ball is an individual week game. So it's like, yeah, do I think Josh Allen's going to outscore Mahomes on a year? Absolutely. But can Mahomes score 30 in a playoff week and be, you know, and win me a tournament? Absolutely. So it's like, right. I shouldn't fade these guys who I'm confident have the weekly ceilings, but last year I had a lot more Josh than Mahomes. I don't remember who was quarterback three last year. I think it was Lamar. Um I had I had less Lamar. Lamar and Kyler. Kyler's a guy I had a lot of too. Hurts Lamar. I had a, I had all of them. Herbert because I thought they were too still a little too expensive. And the bet's not that thin. It's like you just need the skill player you take to score close enough to the skill player you faded because you took the elite quarterback. Um, but th- but this year is a totally different conversation in in many ways. One, the quarterbacks are more expensive than last year. Now I will say we. This isn't the first time we've seen this, actually. In Best Ball Mania One days, um, so twenty twenty, Lamar and Mahomes were second round picks. Sometimes first, sometimes one two turn picks because they had a good year the year before. How did they do that year? Terrible because Josh Allen was going after Matt Ryan and did, you know, and uh, Lamar got hurt too. But um, this year, I will take. Some hurts I'll take some Josh. Um, recognizing that there are quarterbacks in the market that are gonna match the performances of these dudes, dude, season season long, right? Like Justin Fields is out there, Lamar's out there, Joe Burrow's out there. So there are quarterbacks.
0: Herbert's Herbert's kind of sneaky this year.
1: Herbert, maybe Anthony Richardson. There's guys out there that could maybe match what these guys do, but I'm still confident that these guys are the guys who are gonna give me. 30 point performances, 40 point in Hertz case, maybe even 50 point performances. If it's the right matchup Um, I'm less likely to take Mahomes unless I took Kelsey. I'm just, again, it's the statue quarterback thing. And I, I do both. I take the elite guys, but I also think there's a lot of quarterbacks to like this year that are cheap guys that have rushing profiles that are cheap, that we are uncertain if they are playing in the NFL at all this year in Trey Lance's case and Sam Howell's case. But like if they do, they could be kind of like poor man's uh Justin Fields.
0: We'll we'll leave this it, it was a uh, we'll FFPC 2020 20 round, 20th round. Um At we had taken 20. me and my partner had taken um Burks and Chig. And I I I told I said, you know, look, why don't we take Tannehill in the 19th and Levis in the
1: 20th? I said, you know, I mean
0: 20 and I think know. that
1: duo can work out in more than one way because the the best outcome for that would be Tannehill gets cut and ends up on the Falcons or gets traded. Right. And so now you have you got an extra quarterback. You, you know? get the double. Well, but him. even
0: if not, again, I look at 19th and 20th round picks on the sites that um that allow it. I look at them as almost bonuses. Right. You know, I don't want to take a guy who's just going to, you know, give me two 10 point weeks. Right. I'm, I'm looking for something that's going to really give me an unusual boost. I was willing to take Gronk in the 20th last year at times. You know, I, I'm I willing to.
1: Gronk. What's that? I had a lot of Gronk before. Yeah. We knew. I,
0: I well, even after we knew I took a couple shots.
1: Right, I don't, I don't think that's I, wrong either. I like the,
0: that. uh, last year, when in early best ball, I was telling my partner, "Let's take Brady in every draft. I don't believe he's retired. You know, it, it, I'll, let's take him every twentieth round." Now he came out and he didn't have a good year, but you know that, that's how I like to treat the nineteenth. Not every draft; it depends on the team, how good I feel about the team. But if I see an opportunity. Like having two of the pass catchers already, what you know, and guaranteeing that you're going to have a sneaky either way, you're going to have a sneaky stack week sure. 17. It whether it's Tannehill or Levis at quarterback with those two receivers, it's not going to be that high owned. So, yeah, I
1: do different things with the late picks. Sometimes I do what you're saying, sometimes I just target a guy who I think can give me. One to two spike weeks and hope it lands in the playoffs. Sometimes I target more upside, a handcuff running back, if you would, um, things like this, or just a player. I do that I too. Yep, is way undervalued. Yeah. Like I, I mix what I do there.
0: I, I I feel like we're saying kind of the same thing. Yeah, um, it's 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 one of my tools in the toolbox, not something I'm looking like I feel like I have to do in every draft. Um yeah, I'm you- draft, I'm drafting a lot of Dak, Deshaun Watson, and Tua as guys who can maybe be that hurts as far as putting up a lot of points. Um, they don't have the kind of rushing floor that an Anthony Richardson has, but we know they're going to be on the field and that they they throw the ball. Uh, so, you know, it, you might not get 80 yards rushing in a touchdown, but maybe you get 40 or 50. Um, thoughts on those guys as a way to pivot.
1: I mean, Tua, you're never getting the rushing, but you, no. don't, you don't need it because, you know, he's a no-brainer in Tyreek and Waddle stacks. You just need the dude to not get concussed, and then he can he can easily have a bunch of 30, 40-point stacked performances. Um, Dak, I think, makes sense again in stacks as well. You know, we've seen the Cowboys have top-scoring offenses the past two years. Until last year, Dak was hurt. However not really thrilled with the changes they made cutting the cutting Kellen Moore. Yep. It was weird. Um, am am cool with them cutting Zeke. So I don't know. I, I take Dak here and there again, Deshaun Watson. The only question is like, did he give up once he got the big contract or is he, or was you was know, he last just year. rusty? Yeah. was last year, was away year. I mean, it, you know, this was a guy who was viewed like Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes in fantasy, uh, a couple years back. So, I take some of him, too, again, when stacked. You know, like with Amari Cooper, far more likely to take Watson. But I'm not going out of my way to secure him. Um, so
0: you're more looking at, like, the Ritter type, the Howell type, that guy who can give you a, a, a rush. As a I'm third. talking about
1: – well, I mean, I do everything. Like, sometimes I have elite QB. Sometimes I go with some mid-round guys, like you're saying. Yeah. Sometimes I go with – you know, there's that tier of guys. There's Geno. There's Goff. There's Aaron Rodgers. Kirk Cousins. Sometimes, sometimes and they're all stack. good,
0: and they're all good if you stack them,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, a- everyone's good stacked, but like you know, less thrilled on taking probably like the Derek Cars, the Russ Wilson's. Like, was after Geno, I think there is a mini tier break, personally. Um, but you know, with these, I like stacked, Aaron Rodgers, I like Rodgers too. But with all these statue quarterbacks, we need to recognize like any of them can have a huge season, a la Aaron Rodgers, and any of them can have a pretty disappointing season, correct that we shouldn't get too take locked. But there's some other guys with like real upside late where it's like, if I knew Sam Howell was playing 18 games, where would he go right now? You know? Yeah.
0: And I I just think Jacoby Brissett is the better quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And you could be right. I I could be. But the thing is, you know, and this is probably a problem on my point is, you know, that one I really don't have a strong feeling on. So I don't take either. And that's yeah. not necessarily the right move either.
1: I do this, you know. I think everyone does this. I mean, we we know everyone does this because the market does this. Correct. Uncertain situations are faded, and I'm talking about when we don't know who the pass catcher is, when we don't know who the quarterback is. Like, where would Trey Lance go if you knew you got 17 games of Trey Lance? He'd probably go where he went in years past, around Deshaun, around Dak. You know, but at the same time, I Trey Lance could be out of the him NFL because the price is so cheap.
0: I got to start forcing myself to take some because there's a deep, very decent chance he starts a game. And if he starts one game and plays well, you're not
1: taking him out, right? Well, Be- yeah, and and that's where like I think it comes down to a little bit of your philosophy with early drafting. And last year, I, I knew I was leaning into risk, meaning I knew I was playing a top-heavy contest, And it's already a lot of variants. So I'm going to lean into the variants by taking the Gronks, by taking, you know, all these guys where, like, I took a lot of Will Fuller. I took a lot of guys who I thought had high ceilings, who I took, you know, these guys who we didn't know were going to play. And I got burned by that because obviously a lot of these guys did not play. So a lot of my early teams didn't do well. It's
0: harder for me to do it in 18 round drafts um, because you're giving up a better player to do it. Well, maybe, but like if Will Fuller
1: played the, I thought Will Fuller was the best pick if he plays seventeen games. Oh yeah, yeah, but uh, I,
0: but I, I, in no, the, that's not what I was saying. Yeah, um, I do want to ask you this though.
1: Um, I was just going to say the others, the other philosophy to have before mm-hmm. we get to that is that you don't lean into, you you mostly fade these uncertain situations and hope they're not needed pieces for week seventeen because you think you're getting such ADP value by the market right now that you don't need the extra uncertainty and you just want a healthy roster. So I think both make sense.
0: And, and Mike Leone's uh, uh, manifesto proved that the trouble with now is not enough people live. So it to me, it is a chance to... There's, an, there's enough chance that you have a really good team based on an ADP rise or an injury that you don't need to take on the other extra risk because playing early already is a risk. Yeah. Um, So I think we're saying the same thing there. So um, correlations, all the rage. Um, My question for you is by part of the draft, how much value, you know, like, are you willing to drop half a tier early to, for correlation? Like, if you had if you had Jonathan Taylor in the first round and you had Garrett Wilson ahead of Devontae Adams, but it was close enough, would you take Devontae Adams for the correlation? Do that for the early part of the draft, the the late single digits and the double digit rounds. You know, how how much are you because ADP is important and correlation is important, how much are you willing to reach to get your correlations?
1: I do both. Sometimes I pretty strictly market draft and don't want to reach too much if I really believe in the value of the player or the tiers of players. Other times I just try to build in my week 17 game stacks and build around it knowing I'm going to get some uniqueness. So I do both at all pockets of the draft. It really kind of depends. But I think like good advice for anyone out there trying to implement a strategy is don't wildly reach for week. 17 game stacks, you know, just thinking like that's all that matters, you know, cause that's where all the money is, but you got, you got to get there. So you got to have a good team. And like the example you gave, like Devonte versus um, JT or Garrett, Garrett Wilson. Wilson, Garrett Wilson. Like that is a, that is nothing to me because it's like, it's, it's one pick. Right. So like, I would never be so hard and fast with my ranks that I'm like, oh, no, I can't do this, right? Like, it's like a range I of players. Weird- I'm much more will. No, I don't want every one of my JT
0: teams to have Devontae Adams. Me either. You, gotta, you can't go uh, t- uh, too crazy. But, you know, if I'm going to have, you know, 12, you know, JTs, and Devontae Adams is sitting there every time with three or four other guys that I like, like Amon Ra, you know, um, there's there's a few others you know i'm going to i'm going to lean into that correlation maybe 50% of the time maybe 40% and the rest mix it up because as you know from playing dfs it's that mixing action you know we don't know what the final result's going to be uh but we want to put our make all our teams to have a better than average dice roll in that last round
1: yeah and I, and i think a good rule of thumb is like the later you are in the draft. The more it okay, more okay it is to reach for your stack or reach for your uh, correlation because you're not. You know the opportunity cost is lower.
0: All right, I we got about five minutes, and I want to ask, pick your brain a little bit about DraftKings. I've played DFS on DraftKings for years. I know the rules. I have not played best ball there. Um, explain to me and to our listeners transitioning from underdog besides the obvious half PPR to PPR uh, explain how your thoughts change when you click on that DraftKings uh, board versus an underdog
1: well I would say I mean and let's talk about the DraftKings $10 millimaker because I think that's what most people would be playing and, like and I high- think
0: that's a, a very
1: good contest and and i think it you know it's just it's to, the high stakes acts differently so um i would say for that contest you know you should know not only that's ppr but people that play dfs on draftkings also knows there are 3 point bonuses for 300 yeah. passing yards 100 rushing yards 100 receiving yards um i wouldn't say like like i have like a different mindset like historically i've i I'm okay fading players on a site and getting my exposure on a different site. If the ADP is better. If the ADP is better or if I just feel like they fit the PPR ranking more than the half-point PPR ranking. Like a Samajé
0: Piran would be a great example. But I've
1: also been burned by that. Like I've been like, you know, one year it's like, oh, I want a Cooper Cup on DraftKings, not Underdog, because it's PPR, and it's like, "Mm, actually, if the guy can catch 10 passes, he can also score 100 yards and two touchdowns, so... You know, like I reevaluate that. I would say that most people that go from underdog to DraftKings are going to be shocked at how much they like their team. I really do think that twentieth, 20th, the twentieth, 20th, uh, the extra two rounds of drafting is twenty rounds versus eighteen. Really, let people feel comfortable about their teams more often. Um, because you get to like cover your bases with you know quantity, and I would say just be because DraftKings has a bigger draft crowd it's more casual but it doesn't mean that it's easier to win the contest because if it, it doesn't
0: even mean it's easier to advance because you might be in the league with four terrible people and four really sharp people and only two of those four really sharp people are going to advance
1: and, so, and also yeah and, and also it's like advancing we don't care about as far as like an roi sense like advancing a team's meaningless it's getting to the finals Doing well in the finals makes us actual money, and if it requires if, if if to win, I need someone taking Tom Brady in the first round and Brian Hoyer in the first round, so I get these insane ADP values. Again, I can't plan for that. So DraftKings feels a little bit more like that to me than something like Underdog, where I know both. It they seems bat- a
0: little better this year. I played a few where you just seemed like you felt like you walked out with an all-star team. So far, I haven't felt that way as much. I've only done a couple. I think I'm going to max that tournament.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it some they give you 150 a little bit flatter in some ways. But like personally, what makes me unexcited about a contest is how big is the finals. The DraftKings $10 yeah. million maker is nearly Thousand 1,400 people. people. So it's yeah. like you get to week 17 and you're like, uh, great. Are you even going to mention to your friends you could win a million dollars? Because it's like, you could finish a thousandth, you know, right. where it's like, so it, it's just hard that's for me to be excited point. about such a large lottery contest. Am I going to max it? Sure. But I'm not going. If you like hadn't
0: it, won so much money though, maybe would.
1: Well, y- yeah. I mean, for, based on that for sure. Yeah. I mean, I probably mm-hmm. want to be in the lottery, but, and I think that's why people should consider like, you know, maybe do one high stakes draft rather than $10, $10 ones. Is something people should consider, but it really just depends on like, do they want entertainment or do they want quantity of teams? Do they want to actually make money? What's what's your goals?
0: What do you think is an offense that is under the radar that could that we could be talking about next year? Uh, You know, two years ago it was the Bengals. Um, Is there an offense or two that you look at and say, man, there's a lot of young talent there. I I think this could be a, a you know, a good team to bet on that people are sleeping on.
1: I'm gonna need some parameters to help me out here. Like, give, give me like, how late does their quarterback have to go in the draft? It
0: you no, know, that doesn't matter. As long as the overall value is good for a stack. So, okay. like, well, like, like, like I, I are you say, asking because the Chicago Fields goes early, but all his weapons are so cheap that sure. you know, I would, I would. There's still a lot of people out there who don't believe in that offense, so I would say
1: they count. Okay, well, like what about? Uh, I'll give you a couple. Like, like the Ravens to me could be like the Eagles were last year, mm-hmm. where like we see that leap with a better OC, with them running the ball less, where it's like a lot like, and it's it's uncertain how it's going to go between Zay and Bateman and OBJ. Um, so they're all just kind of like lumped together. That's so one that went. So you can shock- get them. Yeah. The
0: you can never get Lamar and uh, Andrews together. They're, 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 they're like right next to each other.
1: Yes. I mean, it's not it's not a big leap saying like, oh, Lamar is going to be good at football. Um, yeah. You know, like the Lions, like I'm really bullish on these teams that invested in offense with mid quarterbacks, such as the Vikings, the Seahawks and the Lions. Like, yeah, a lot of people made fun in the in the draft of the Seahawks and the Lions because they took running backs high and they took off ball linebackers. But I think it's a good sign for the overall understanding of the NFL, which, you know, frankly, it offense is what wins the NFL. It's hard to stop elite offenses. And if you don't have a Pat Mahomes, a Josh Allen, you need to surround your quarterback with every bit of talent you can. So I like that. The Vikings drafted Addison. I like that. The Seahawks, yeah. Added Charbonnet and JSN. I like that the Lions brought in Gibbs um, to to fit the team, and obviously Jameson's going to be coming back. So, like, I think this is good. These are great signs for these 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 uh, offenses, and uh, these were top ten offenses last year. But um, I don't know. I I like them quite a bit. Yeah, uh,
0: I think the Browns for me are that team. I think they they could, you know, if they could be less run heavy. Anyway, um, we got to get out of here. I wish I still have like eight questions that we didn't get to. I wish we had more time. Maybe I'll, you'll come I'll back. I'll have up. to have
1: you on one day and we, we can get to some questions. Uh, I would of- love that. Anytime,
0: time, man. Uh, Chess Liam on Twitter, the dude is out there grinding as well as putting out high-level content, um, has already taken down three tournaments. We'll see what he does this year. And we will see you next week when
1: Justin Herzig will be the guest. and And fun fact, Justin and I, are both from St. Petersburg, Florida. That is a fun fact.